obviously like there was a lot of panic buying around that time and our local supermarket was very rapidly emptying and I guess that just brought it home to people like oh my gosh you know this food comes from really far afield and if the lorries aren't coming anymore or there isn't enough to, you know food in the supermarket to meet the demand where are we getting our food from? Well, welcome everyone. It's Kristen here, and I'm with. We've got the whole group here tonight. Uh, so it's myself. It's Richard. Hello. Lindsay. Hello. Rachel. She's Rachel's there. <laughs> 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 it's up because I didn't want to like make any noise when you were recording. Well, well, see, that's the best start to a podcast in lockdown ever. It just sort of. I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to explain that uh, obviously it's end of May at the moment. Um, there's been a couple of episodes recently where we've recorded guests, you know, via Zoom. But this is actually the first Seismic Wales podcast episode we've done uh, with all four of us uh, on Zoom. So, uh, well, Rachel, that was perfect, actually, that you were on meet because it sort of proved the point. So anyway, <laughs> This is real, real life. And we're leaving this in. We're leaving this in. So <laughs> anyway, let's crack on. So, guys, I'm looking at my Zoom screen. I'm going to start top left. Lindsay, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm sort of pretty much adjusted to working from home now. So my home is now my recording studio, it seems. Yes. Richard, you're in a yeah, tent. I'm, I'm in a tent. I'm in, I'm in, uh, in my daughter's play tent <laughs> at the moment. Just because the acoustics are a bit better, I think, than in my usual location. Are you which hiding? Which is a bit of an echoey study <laughs> also it means i can hide i'm just sat in this kind of little play teepee uh, which has just got enough room for a few cushions a mug of tea a phone and a microphone and it's, it's getting very warm in here as well <laughs> <laughs> it's also warm outside it's uh, i think today was 24 degrees it's sort of end of may and uh, yeah it's been lovely weather rachel how are you yeah i'm all good thank you i've uh, yeah again adjusted quite well from being at home Cool. Well, this is... I, I, I'm OK. I, I'm sort of enjoying the, the weather, really, and the, the opportunity to get outside. I dread to think what it was like in the countries where they wouldn't allow you to sort of go outside, do your daily exercise. But thank the Lord, we can do that here. So um, anyway, this is episode 16, is it not, Rich? You're good with these numbers. I think numbers. so, yeah. So uh, this is... Uh, Come on, be this more is certain our... than that. <laughs> I've lost count. Uh, this is uh, our, essentially our kind of fourth one on coronavirus, actually. Because Lindsay, Lindsay and I did the <laughs> did the nature one with Wildly Pip. Oh yeah, just before lockdown, wasn't it? Yeah. Ah, yeah, you're right. Actually, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Um, then we had the 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 last one about the uh, coronavirus and, and food, and then we had uh, my mini bonus episode with Repair Cafe. So yeah, plenty to talk about at the moment. So this is becoming a bit. It's like a movie. It's sort of ongoing. We've had sort of uh, three or four instalments, and we're going to carry on because um, today we are going to talk a bit about coronavirus, but not, not about the virus itself, but actually more about the community response to it. And Rich, I'm going to take my hat off to you now. You can't see me doing. It. I'm not wearing a hat, but you know what I mean. Um, you've interviewed three people um, just off your own back, and you've done they're really, really, really good uh, interviews. Uh, I really enjoyed listening to them. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about them. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Christian. You're too kind. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, I've um, 
just been speaking to some of the people involved in in the coronavirus response so obviously you know we've we've spoken to some people doing that already but there's so much going on around wales so i suppose this episode really we've got a few people talking about what communities are doing so we've got uh katie from um plan avoid and machmathlon in machantleth in mid wales talking about all the stuff they're doing around food and we've also got uh, two people involved in bu- building communities trust which is more about the wider community's response so we've got emma uh based in cardiff i think and jess who's up in bangor um working on one of the projects there so um just a f- you know a few more people doing really great stuff to help communities uh, we were talking about this before about communities being resilient to use a buzzword but i guess it's all yeah. about uh, helping communities be better able to deal with some of the challenges that come along and and at the moment obviously that that key challenge is around around covid but i think there's some there's some kind of longer term stuff in there as well yeah i think we're all let's be honest you know we're in the middle of a pandemic um, we're all probably a bit down about it but listening to it, it just there's there's so much positive stuff going on it really sort of um well brought a smile to my face i guess just listening to it and and what everyone's doing and we will you know and yet we'll talk about that a little bit now as well as when you're listening to the guests. But um, Lindsay, Rachel, what did you make of them? It's, it's really hard to <laughs> Zoom, isn't it, to know who's going to speak. Um, I think, like you said, Christian, it's just really impressive stuff. And I think what struck me with, um, especially sort of listening to Katie first, was that a lot of the stuff they sort of had prepared for accelerated their response. So it's kind of that importance of maybe you know what you need to do before anything like this happens really. Rachel? Yeah I thought it was um, really interesting I think one of the things that really um, struck me listening to all of the interviews was um, kind of this realisation about the food supply and kind of um, you know the need for having grow more food locally Um, and I think that would be quite interesting to see kind of how people change going forward and whether we do kind of um keep with the kind of growing more food locally as well cool okay well we won't say any more we'll um link in now to the interviews that richard's done so we'll have a listen to those then we'll come back and have a chat about all of it I'm Katie Hastings and I'm one of the volunteer directors of Machmouthlon and I'm also a member of the new Planavoid working group. We met a year ago in Cardiff um, and I was just setting off on the Big Lunch community walk which was like across the whole of Wales. Um, Yeah so that was a whole year ago that we last spoke. And how did that walk go and, and the Big Lunch? Oh man, it was amazing. It was a whirlwind. We travelled across the whole of Wales and we visited so many different community groups and it was amazing. It was exhausting, but brilliant. And it all ended in my big lunch in Machantleth and I had like a big community picnic in the park and it was, um, yeah, really lovely homecoming. So yeah, brilliant experience. Fantastic. And we're here today, though, to talk about what you've been doing in Machantleth, in in your home community, um, and around the coronavirus as well. But perhaps to start off with, we could just ask you what's been going on in recent years, what you've been doing with the Machmythlon project. Tell us a bit about what that's all about. 
Yeah, so for the last eight years, I've been a part of a volunteer collective here in Machantleth, and we've been doing a lot of work around um, community food growing. So we started off running a veg box scheme called the Green Isle Growers Veg Box Scheme, and then loads of other projects kind of developed out of that. So we've been doing community gardening workshops and cooking workshops and planting vegetables all around the town. And we've also started a training program teaching people how to become commercial vegetable producers. And we've basically been doing all of that under the kind of desire to increase local food resilience um yeah and there's loads of community growing activities happening here in Machantleth now so yeah it's, it's been exciting that sounds great and just so we understand the kind of the the resilience side of that why was Mach Meithlon set up and what what was that the purpose of that work really going thinking back before coronavirus why did you decide that project was needed so before, yeah, before coronavirus, we, we had concerns about food supply chains and there was a few of us who were quite acutely aware that like most of our vegetables within the Dovey Valley and fruit um, were being imported from quite like countries quite far afield um, and that we were very reliant on our kind of local supermarket for our food and felt like that wasn't really sustainable going forward. Um, and I think we have like a really strong, amazing farming community here in the Dovey Valley, but it is quite... Um, it's mostly sheep and we were just aware that we want to eat a whole variety of different foods in our diet and like they weren't being reflected in the landscape around us and we wanted to see the food that we eat being grown like close to home and not being flown across the world so that was the reason for setting up Machmeithlon was to see more vegetables and more fruit and more grains grown like locally to where we live and where we want to eat them basically. And how has that been working out up, up to, again, before the coronavirus? How, what difference has that made, the work you've been doing? Well, yeah, a lot of our Mach Meiflon members have been working really hard over the years, whether that's producing vegetables and selling them through a veg box scheme. So we've got like 60 regular customers now who buy local vegetables. And that wasn't true before, you know, we started this work with Mach Meiflon. Um, and then we've also had loads of people in the community, like, you know, increasing the amount of food that they grow at home and increasing their awareness of what can grow locally and kind of what foods are like you know, can be grown in Wales and what foods are being imported. So I feel like over the years with Mach Meuflon, you know, we as a group have been, um, yeah, gradually increasing the vegetable production and increasing the grain and fruit production in the valley and increasing people's awareness of, of local food issues. Um, but I feel like we still had a long way to go. Like, it's been, it's been an uphill struggle in some ways. Um, and then suddenly the pandemic happened and there became this sudden new awareness of food issues and like food supply chains. Yeah, so I was going to ask about that next, really. How has this played out in terms of the, the pandemic and the response locally? Yeah, so it was amazing, actually. I mean, when the kind of the whole pandemic sort of broke and we sort of realised that this was serious and that we needed to restrict our movements, um, obviously, like there was a lot of panic buying around that time and our local supermarket was very rapidly emptying and I guess that just brought it home to people like oh my gosh you know this food comes from really far afield and if the lorries aren't coming anymore or there isn't enough to, you know food in the supermarket to meet the demand where are we getting our food from and it was almost like suddenly there was this light bulb moment of lots of local people thinking 
oh, we're not actually growing that much food locally. And they were all coming to us through Machmaithlon and being like, how can I grow at home? How can I support farmers to grow more in the crisis? And it just basically felt like overnight there was this sudden surge of energy to kind of focus on food and like maybe also a fear about where our food was going to come from in the coming months. I mean, you mentioned that you had a long way to go, Katie, but I guess the fact that you had these projects in place acted as some sort of cushion for what was uh, what was hitting everyone? Yeah, it definitely did. I think because Machmaithlon existed in the community already and was already doing a lot of work with community growing, we became a sudden point of contact in the crisis. And so anybody who was interested in growing more food or in kind of increasing local food resilience came to us in those first few days of the lockdown. So it actually felt like quite overwhelming, but also quite hopeful that we were just basically flooded with messages of people being like, how can I get involved? How can I help? And yeah, at the same time, there was a local um, coronavirus response, a community coronavirus group setting up. Um, So a lot of energy came from that group as well. Um, But it just felt like because we had already been doing the food work in the community that we were kind of really best placed as being like someone that people could get in touch with and ask for advice from. That sounds really positive. And and you mentioned uh, as well before we uh, started the interview that that kind of led to this creation of a a new project called Plan Avoid. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so Plan Avoid just suddenly sprung up like around the time of the lockdown and it was basically um, a combination of energy from sort of the existing Machmaithlon work in the community and then also this new um, Machmaithlon community corona response group who were trying to look at like food distribution to people who were self-isolating and then also a third group who'd been working on um, climate change and kind of the declaration of the climate emergency in our town and it felt like when the lockdown happened suddenly energy from those three groups just kind of fused together and all these new people got involved and suddenly the plan avoid working group got set up kind of overnight which was like a collection of energy from all these different groups so katie in terms of plan avoid tell tell me about some of the things that the project's been doing to respond to the coronavirus crisis Yeah, so members of the Plan Avoid working group have been doing so many things over the last week. And yeah, we've basically, we've got a resources group who've been helping home growers get access to more seed and compost and manure locally so they can grow at home. And then we've had one member, Kirsty Davies, um, create these amazing family seed packs. So she sent out 200 packs of seeds to families to grow with their kids with all like really great information on how to grow at home. Um, We've also had the Dovey Permaculture group setting up a seed and seedling swap so people can remotely swap seeds and and plants that they've grown Um, we've also done like workshops for home growers over zoom so like teaching people how to grow their own food we've got a farmers field scale group set up so there's been like six people in the Dovey Valley who have land who've kind of decided to to plow it and grow uh, crops on a large scale like 300 kilos of potatoes or 600 kale plants so there's kind of like there's field scale large growing happening as well as home growing which is amazing and then we're also in the process of setting up a land army so we've had people sign up who want to help on local farms and we're kind of organizing work sessions where they can go to the farms and like safely help with the food production so with social distancing in place obviously um, but be able to kind of go out to the fields and kind of take their exercise by helping on local farms 
And then, yeah, there's also people who are organizing land shares. So like where there's available land, matching people up to use it. And there's a group who are working on how to distribute all the food. So absolutely loads is getting organized. Yeah. That sounds incredible, the amount of energy and, and practical action going on there. And, and how difficult has that been with all the restrictions of the lockdown, etc.? Yeah, well, at first we were very much organising remotely and um, not seeing one another, obviously, for social distancing reasons. And um, thank goodness for Zoom. We were having a lot of Zoom calls. <laughs> and um, I guess because people were stuck at home, it was quite a like positive channel for their energy and kind of their desire to want to do something to help. Um, so we were all kind of communicating over email, communicating over Zoom, setting up like a website and a way of like gathering people's info and getting people involved. But as it's progressed, we have started to do practical things. And um, yeah, we had to do some research into kind of what was allowed. And uh, we discovered that farming work and food production is still classed as essential travel. So we were able to still travel to farms and plant up fields of produce um, because that's considered essential work. Although we have obviously had to think a lot about um, social distancing and like safe working. So keeping like households separate on the farms and not sharing tools and unfortunately not being able to share lunch as well, which is a bit of a shame. But, um, um, you can't really do that yeah. over Zoom, can you? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But um, yeah, it, it's been, yeah, it's been interesting, like um, kind of de- adapting to new ways of working, but still getting practical things done. Uh, and I think the seed swap that um, the Dovey Permaculture Group have set up as part of Plan Avoid has been a really good example of that because um, obviously people couldn't get together in a room and actually swap the seeds. So one of the members of the Dovey Permaculture Group kind of used her front garden as a seed swap space so people could drop off seeds and plants and then other people could come and collect them from her as kind of a hub, but without all being in the same space and without kind of risking breaking social distancing. That's a really creative set of responses you've got there. And and um, thinking about what's happened so far, do you think then there are kind of, I mean, you've kind of already spoken a bit about this, but what do you think the lessons are in terms of resilience for both for Machantleth, but perhaps for Wales and, and more generally? Well, I hope that this crisis has, um, well, it's highlighted a problem that we kind of already knew was there, which is that our food supply chains, they are quite fragile. You know, we're relying on a lot of food being brought in from outside of the UK. And I I hope that this crisis has, you know, it's highlighted that to more people and it's enabled us to like build a more resilient food system. So, I mean, these are a lot of the things that we're doing with Plan Avoid. I had hoped would happen for many years and the lockdown and the crisis have kind of brought um, new energy to these things and I hope that they'll stick around Um, and I hope that you know all these field scale crops that we're planting that that's something we'll repeat every year so that we'll have more food grown locally and I'm hoping that all these people who've been learning to grow more produce at home and swapping seeds and seedlings and kind of putting broad beans in their back gardens like I really hope that that will also continue Um, and it's felt like such a positive thing to do in a crisis as well like to plant food and to see things growing and I hope that people have really enjoyed that and it's something that they will continue to do going forward. Excellent and have you as in terms of a group as Plan Avoid and and Machmethlon have you kind of started thinking about your your role as a group or has it been more more an emergency response at the moment? (laughs) Yeah it's been an emergency response and it's been a whirlwind of like action and 
activity. Um, but I think over the coming months, we definitely need to discuss how can we keep this up and how can we keep this momentum going? Because it shouldn't be something that we're just doing during the pandemic. It should be something that we're doing all the time to increase our kind of local um, yeah, food resilience and sustainability. So yeah, hopefully, we, hopefully long may it continue and we can set up the systems to kind of keep doing these things going forward. Katie, that sounds so positive and I really hope uh, your project continues to succeed and and perhaps out of this we can start to build more food resilience. I know uh, that also this stuff going on elsewhere in Wales, so maybe your work will inspire other people to do the same. Yeah, hopefully. And actually, we've connected with a lot of groups around Wales doing similar things. So again, that is really exciting to know that other communities are kind of mobilising in similar ways. And maybe we can build a a Wales-wide movement for food resilience going forward. My name's Emma Shepherd, and I'm Communications and Events Officer for Building Communities Trust. Um, We run a lottery-funded project called Invest Local, and we work in 13 different communities across Wales. It is a kind of different way of doing community development, asset-based community development. So we look at what's great about a community, not look for the problems. Um, Each community gets a million pounds, Um, and they get to spend that over 10 years on whatever the community decides are the priorities for that local area. The community in Clace in Swansea, they've um, decided that children and young people were a priority for them, so they've spent quite a chunk of their money on building an amazing park in the area. Um, Other places have um, used the money to work on activities for older people. Um, Community hubs is a big theme coming through from all the communities there's somewhere a space for people to meet and socialize and where they can get support so that's a big thing um and that's dip- that looks different in in all the different areas so some people are looking at taking over existing community buildings other people want a new space so but that's a key theme kind of uh, hubs community hubs are a key one um other common themes are activities for older people um and the environment is also a common priority so with the pandemic hitting how did that how did the work that was going on play into the community's response and how have they been coping um i think what we've really noticed is in the areas that we work a lot of them already have um really strong active community bodies in place Um, and people that know each other really, really well. And these connections have made um, kind of response to COVID-19 really rapid. (laughs) So people have come together straight away. They know their communities really well. They know who they need to talk to, who they need to work with. So the response has been really rapid in, in most of the communities. What have the what have some of the main issues been? Obviously, you know, the obvi- alongside the obvious health issues that that all communities face. What have been some of the kind of impacts that that you've seen? I think when we were talking earlier, you talked about food, for example. Was that a key thing that's come out of this? Yeah. So, I mean, g- getting people in the community fed is a is a kind of priority for all of the communities that we work in. So that's looking different in different areas. Um, so for example in some places they 
maybe helping a local food bank to deliver food. Um, a lot of our communities are linked up with Fair Share, so they're getting food from Fair Share and, and distributing it to vulnerable families or people who are self-isolating. Um, in other places, um, they're cooking hot food. And alongside, you know, getting access to food, are there you know, any other issues that the, um, the projects have been able to help with? Um, yeah, there's quite a lot of stuff around um, well-being is coming through now. So, uh, I mean, because of the kind of connections people have with uh, food banks and fair share in some of the communities, that stuff is, is sorted. They're, you know, they're self-sufficient, they're getting people fed, um, and now they're starting to think about the well-being of people um, in their area. So, good example of that is um, in Plasmadoc in Wrexham. They're doing lots of different things to um, make sure that people are people are well. They're um, they have an award-winning um, sorry, start again. They've got an award-winning adventure play project there called The Land, which is a it's kind of a it's amazing. It's a junk um, playground. So it's inspired by um, how children played in bomb sites um, in the Blitz. So, you know, the people would be really creative and just make things. So it's a big space and it's full of um, wooden pallets, old mattresses, um, bits of tubing and piping, anything really. And the kids make these amazing kind of structures that they climb through and, and play in. Um, so that's obviously closed at the minute. So the people in Plasmatic are using the kind of supplies that they have in the land. So they've got loads and loads of wooden pallets. So they've been making um, benches and delivering them round to people on the estate so they can sit outside and enjoy the sunshine and the spring. Um, they've also been making planter troughs and delivering those to the young people and children on the estate so they can grow um, can get strawberries and sunflowers. So they get a packet of seeds and um, some compost and a planter trough. Um, now they've started branching out into making little greenhouses as well so people can cultivate seeds in their gardens. Um, they're also doing kind of wider stuff, more fun stuff around well-being and making people sure people are still connected. So they've been doing a dance on your doorstep um, every Sunday night at eight o'clock. Uh, they choose a piece of music. I think last week it was Reach by S Club 7. So everyone plays the same piece of music and they come out on their doorstep at eight o'clock and dance together. <laughs> um, another couple of streets have been doing bingo. So they've been socially distancing and shouting numbers across the street <laughs> and playing a game of bingo. Um, and that particular community are about to launch a, um, a service called Chinwags. So they've um, done a flyer saying, are you, are you feeling lonely? Do you need a chat? Where they're just gonna ring people and, and check in and have a chat with people. Obviously, the pandemic has been a, a terrible experience. You know, we've seen the deaths and illnesses it's caused, as well as the various social problems. But do you think that any of the response, any of the lessons we've learned, um, could actually bring some positive elements to how we live as a society once this pandemic has, has subsided? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I think for people that um, are living in the areas that we work in, particularly, um, it's really highlighted how strong their communities are and how they've got really positive connections with one another. Um, it's also uh, brought out a lot of people who are interested in volunteering. So I think that's 
you know something to capture kind of that spirit of helping each other out going forward that would be really lovely if that continued um quite a lot of our communities you know as well as kind of dealing with the crisis of thinking about what celebration they'll have when it's all over <laughs> So my name's Jess Sylvester and I'm a community development worker in Maeskerchan um, in Gwynedd in North Wales um, and I work for Maesni which is the Invest Local steering group in Maeskerchan. So Invest Local's part of the Building Communities Trust across Wales. So Maeskerchan is a community of around 4,000 people. Um, it's a large estate on the outskirts of Bangor and uh, mice, it's, it's colloquially known as um, Mice G, that's what everyone calls it. Even before lockdown had begun, uh, volunteers were just standing up and saying, this is what I can offer, this is what I can do. Um, let's do it. I need space, I need kit, I need um, some money, I need this resource. And it was just about kind of, for us really, I was shielded, so I was stuck at home straight away. Um, but it was just about kind of knitting together all the different groups that were standing up and saying, this is what I need, this is what I can do. And um, then it became very much about cross-referring. So for example, Denise and Beth, who'd been cooking on in the Hive Cafe on a Tuesday in the church, um, they switched. Uh, so we didn't hold the Hive Cafe the week before lockdown and they just straight away stood up and said, we'd like to deliver meals and soups and things to OAPs. And before lockdown had started, they'd been around all the bungalows um, and put a call out for anybody who would like a meal. And they're now delivering to 84 people every Tuesday. And it's a bit of a checking in service. They're also doing kind of jigsaw swaps and, you know, book swaps. Uh, Nigel Pickford, one of the councillors, was um, doing essentials packs for them as well, especially at the beginning when it was difficult to get hold of things like toilet roll um, from supermarkets, hand sanitizer, that kind of thing. Um, and that, so that's carried on, and that's really, really well valued. It's brilliant. Um, and then we've had uh, about twenty-five to thirty people as a kind of pool of volunteers who are collecting prescriptions, doing people's shopping for them. And they're in isolation and then Dolan Fernley, the other councillor, has been picking up all the uh, supermarket surplus and fair share um, donations uh, and then bagging those up every couple of days and dropping them on people's doorsteps. He's also been working with one of the local food banks to deliver um, boxes of food and Penryn House, which is the local recovery centre. Um, and they, it's it's residential, so they're able to use their kitchen and cook up meals out of, you know, whatever random things come from the supermarket surplus. And then they do lunch boxes and food drops every other day as well. Well, thanks so much to our guests. Um, Richard, let's start with Katie first. Um, I'm sort of blown away by the amount of stuff that's coming out of this. I think you said, uh, I think Katie said that there was already some sort of existing work at the group there. Um, yeah, what are your impressions? Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's a huge amount of energy and activity going on there. And actually, Katie has sent me an article, which we'll link to on, on social media, um, which kind of sets out everything they're doing. And, um, you know, to be honest, I think there's probably even more happening than, than she managed to feature in the, in, in the interview. I suppose my overall impression is that it's something that's really impressive that's happening not only in Mach, but in other ways and other places. And wouldn't it be great if that could have some kind of lasting effect in the way that I think Pearl mentioned in our in our previous episode from Food Cardiff about how by growing more food locally, particularly fruit and vegetables, 
that can really help us be more resilient to use that buzzword again but it can really help us be better prepared for you know avoiding problems with food supply as well as you know other benefits in terms of people's health and well-being yeah i think um a couple of things i picked up was on the one hand just how fragile our food sort of supply chains are um and i know katie was hoping that more people becoming aware of that because of what's going on but then also the sort of the next step of sort of building a more resilient food system um so more food is grown locally and like you said it links this is becoming like a bit of a theme as well we've got older episodes haven't we Cardiff salad garden and things like that where food is coming through I find food interesting because I feel I know with some of our roles that our jobs I should say um food sort of falls through the cracks in terms of government and public policy and stuff like that and yet obviously from the community it's just this big thing that's just so blatantly obvious that somewhere in there, the minute something like this hits, we just realise how fragile we are. I think in general terms, we import about at least about half of our food. I think it's been over that, though. So, um, I don't Lindsay, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's, that's an interesting point. And I just wonder whether we sort of, because it's something we just do without thinking, whether it's taken for granted unless people like um, Katie's group in Mac, uh, you know, really thinking about it. But... Um, I also really liked the whole sort of talk about the land army and getting people involved on sort of helping to sort of work the land or also matching up land, you know, that sort of seeing seeing food as being more than just, um, I don't know, having much more meaning. So it's really brought that to light. Um, Rachel, what about you? No, I, yeah, I found it um, really interesting. I, I like the idea that kind of everyone's kind of pulled their resources together and there's this sense of through the community um, and this kind of close-knit community of shopping, uh, swapping and sharing uh, resources. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, and I know uh, towards the end, Katie talked about a sort of Wales-wide movement for food resilience, um, which is really interesting. So it just, it, you know, part of you wants to know how much of this is going on elsewhere Wales I know I know it is I know people have had allotments and gardens and there's all sorts of food growing initiatives going on but but yeah I guess has it been has it raised up a level because of because of coronavirus um but yeah I mean again go back to our early episodes Rich you've done quite a few on food as well haven't you, you did one in um Belth Wells was it in Flandrian Dodd yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the uh the community orchard there and actually what I was going to say as well is I think you know there's probably a lot of people who individually I mean I myself as kind of, I mean, I grow veg anyway, but I have stepped it up because of the coronavirus. I wonder how many people are doing that. And actually, it's, I think it's probably making people value food a bit more. I know that's true for me. I think, you know, you, as soon as you start to see issues with it, it's a real sharp reminder of the value of food. But also, I think if you grow it yourself, you start to look at things in a different way. Maybe try eating different things, eating more season, season, what's the word seasonally <laughs> eating more seasonally um that relationship with food as well is is really important as well um so well, yeah, yeah i think uh, there'll probably there's probably plenty we can go back to in the future and see how that develops i'm not sure what the kind of scope is in different communities for doing similar things to mahantha though because obviously they're you know they're somewhere that people perhaps i don't know have gardens or you know have farmland around them um and have obviously a lot of motivated people, which is great. But, um, you know, t- trying to make that scale up, I guess, uh, it'd be interesting to know how much that would work in 
say a city like Swansea um, or you know somewhere in the valleys you know there's a lot of allotment culture I guess in in some of these places but trying to make that more mainstream is probably going to need some shifts in society maybe giving people more time to do it Um, and and I guess not everyone's going to want to do it so you know I think there's a lot of lot of questions that opens up but you know, there's potentially a real opportunity there for more people to get involved in growing food and particularly fruit and veg, which we actually don't do much of anymore in Wales, do we? And and, mm. and, and yet that is, you know, the a key part of our diet. Um, so Emma, Emma Shepherd of Building Communities Trust. Um, I mean, loads of good stuff going on as well. She talked about a couple of places. Uh, I love the sound of this park in Swansea for children and young people. Yeah, it was really nice to get that kind of all Wales overview from Emma about everything that's going on. Um, you know, I I was actually really struck by what she talked about happening in Wrexham. In fact, I think maybe we should go back to that for another episode because um, I've heard about the land, the junk playground before, um, and the whole idea really fascinates me. But you know, the fact that they are um, adapting the fact obviously that the playground can't open to kids at the moment which is obviously really sad and something I definitely can relate to with the standard playgrounds closing around here but the fact that they're kind of taking that idea of DIY and building stuff and actually making that into something that people can do at home um, what a creative response you know to to this uh, crisis and I bet people are getting a huge amount out of that as well and then it was yeah. nice to hear from from Jess as well, obviously in in Bangor, um, in Maeskerchen uh, um, Estate, uh, there, and, and about how people are, you know, really stepped up, and you know, full credit to everyone across Wales who's really kind of delivered that emergency response and made sure that most vulnerable people are protected. Um, yeah, I think so. I think it it kind of it adds it, it sort of raises a lot of a lot of interesting questions about the power of community as we come out of this as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's what I picked up from both of them, I think. It's um, the, the, the strength that's in the communities that was already there. Uh, and that seems to be sort of what's shining through more than ever, I think. Yeah, it really sort of accentuates it, doesn't it? And it's, I suppose, like you say, that strength that's there has been built on massively. Um, and, yeah, we just keep hearing more and more, which is, which is really sort of encouraging. Um, I was just curious, has anybody... Have you experienced or heard of any other things like that? So food's one element, but there's obviously that community get-together and social side too. I've heard of a kind of a community sing-along where somebody goes out kind of at the same time every Friday evening um, and they post like what songs they're going to sing and you can brush up on your singing skills and then everyone goes out at kind of like, I think it's like 8 o'clock and everyone sings the same song. It's funny, I'm trying to get a balance with my work I tend to be more aware in a way of like the stuff that cities and regions are doing so the famous one was you know Milan thinking right everyone's indoors let's sort of rework the streets you know sort of close off some of the streets so uh, we can increase you know the use of sort of walking and cycling stuff like that and you see in these initiatives in particularly at a sort of city scale and then other cities trying to copy so I think that's why it's been so nice to listen to because you know it's going on and you hear it but it gets a bit generalised it's like oh yeah you know doing this so um, and that's what I liked about the three different interviews Richard's had to get to and across Wales as well to get that kind of sense of what's going on and that link between kind of everything they're doing and well-being as well I think that's so important at the minute um, that we are kind of doing things that promote our well-being yeah, I think uh, Emma talked about well-being because she, she seemed to focus on two things. 
Uh, Katie very much talked about food, obviously. Emma talked about food and then well-being. Um, and I think it, it's there in all of them. It, it's sort of like, in all of us, actually, in, in all the conversation that you hear, is that sort of what next, isn't it? You know, can we build on? Can we maintain? Can we develop? You know, or do things just go back to normal the way they were? And obviously, you know, we know what most of us want to happen. Um, so I don't know, yeah, it'd be interesting, I guess, as a final kind of thought, what you guys think about, um, you know, seeing this stuff, you know, if you could go forward in three months, six months, 12 months, two years, um, you know, obviously, I, I guess we'd hope this, that this would all be built on and that, that um, we're actually seeing these things go from strength to strength. I don't know, but what are your thoughts? I think, I think there's definitely, well, I, I would suspect at the minimum there'll be increased neighbourliness because I was coming back from doing my food shopping recently and uh, it was around the time when people had been doing out doing the um, clapping for carers and clapping for NHS workers and I just missed it. Um, but I was coming back and people had obviously been out on their doorsteps and were still stood there um, having long distance chats with each other from their doorsteps in the nearby street. And I thought, well, you know, how, how many people are actually now talking regularly to people that they maybe wouldn't even normally talk to. So whatever else happens, and I hope there is more to it than that, but, you know, even even that is a brilliant thing. Um, and, you know, little things, we talked about kind of the city scale, and, and I know in Cardiff uh, there's there's moves afoot to kind of widen bike lanes and stuff, which hopefully will, 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 will go on. But, you know, at a little tiny level, lots of little tiny things I've noticed, like... There's a house near me where they're putting up a different joke in the window every day, <laughs> um, big pieces of paper, and you know all that little community, that little those little community focused things, all the little yeah. signs, all the things that people are doing to just brighten things up. Um, I just I really hope that continues as well. And I think you know that may sound it may kind of seem a little bit flippant when you're talking about you know food supply and all that sort of thing, but. I think community is really like the oil that keeps the engine running. You know, if you've got community, then you can achieve a hell of a lot. And 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 small things like that can sometimes really, you know, make the connections can really help things along. Um, so I just want to say a massive thanks again to Katie, Emma, and Jess, um, and Richard for all your hard work. Well done. I feel a bit lazy at the moment. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, we'll pick it up. Don't worry. Um, yeah, so thanks, guys. It's been really good to catch up. It's obviously like everything at the moment. This is via Zoom. We hope the sound quality holds up. I think it should be okay. I think most of the podcasts I'm listening to at the moment are exactly the same. Um, you know, we do like seeing people face-to-face and meeting them. Um, the beauty of this, it makes us realise we have done some episodes further afield in Wales, um, but we've always, had, we've always had that ambition of doing more. We feel a bit Cardiff-centric. Um, we do all live in Cardiff. That's sort of part of the problem sometimes. But I, I, I guess this makes us realise that really it's it's all doable, isn't it? You know, sort of um, via Zoom. So it's been lovely to see the three of you on my screen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad to hear you're all well. Thanks again for listening. And um, yes, well, you'll hear from us at the next episode. Cheers, bye. 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 bye.